and welcome to Six Seconds of Brandy. This is Duncan. And you know what, man? Today is about real life, brother. Some shit going down with the people around me that I really love. If I start to lose it, you know, fuck you if you can't take it, right? This is a podcast for alcoholic men um, who kind of go in and out of recovery. It doesn't matter if you come in and out for our summer program, which is 90 days and 90 90 meetings and 90 days, and then you're gone back out. You know, some guys make it back, some guys don't. Most people do, you know, they're kind of bouncing it out. I did. I fucked around the first time, then I was kind of half-ass serious the second time, and the third time I finally stuck. But I got guys that I know that got enough white chips to tile their fucking bathroom. So as long as you're willing, we will welcome you and love you till you love yourself. So anyway, podcast for alcoholic men who kind of come in and out. Uh, horrible language, politically incorrect. So, you know, you're either in or you're out. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing, though, today, this week, when you get into recovery, real recovery like me for a long time you're a completely different person you know man like you just it's not like you're trying to lose weight and you just love wise potato chips or cheeseburgers too much man, you know those kind of cravings this is like a complete change of heart and mind that you go through when you really work the steps correctly uh, you get what we call emotional sobriety and it's pretty, it's an amazing process that you go through. And uh, you're not that person anymore. You know, you're not the person. This is really important, man. You're not the, your family thinks they know you, right? Like they know you now because you're a numbskull and you can't stay sober for more than six months without going out. I got one guy in my group I told you about. He's due back, by the way. <laughs> uh, he, got, he gets a year. He gets his chip. And like four to seven days, like fucking clockwork for like eight years. Four to seven days later, he's out. Like he accomplished something. And then he loses all the respect of his family and his employer or clients. I think he's like, a, I don't know if he can work for anybody. I think he works for himself. But, you know, then he's showing up late for jobs, a construction guy or some fucking thing. And, you know, dude, you're... you're you just blow it all up again, and then it's just like being on a one of those bungee things where they throw you up in the sling, and then they drop you back down, right? And you just, oh, Jesus. Do it to yourself. Just because you don't have the fucking balls to pick up a pen and a paper and sit across from a man who you want to be like, and, you know... You won't fucking just come clean, dude. All you got to do is come clean. You don't have to be some goody two-shoes. Just got to fucking come clean. Know what I'm saying? Even if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, just try to tell the truth for once. You know what I mean? Don't try to wriggle out of shit or worry about we're going to report you to a judge or some cops or some fucking thing. We're not doing that. We all, we all did this shit. You and your goddamn problems, you think the shit you did is unique no there are murderers and rapists and thieves among us my friend 
And there are ministers and priests among us. And there are cops and lawyers among us. Lots of lawyers. So you know what? You got nothing to lose. Just try us out. You know? But we work with the willing. We're not... You know, those... Well... It's fine when a judge takes you and makes you come in and you go to 10 meetings and you got to sit through it and you're, you know, shit, whatever you do. I'm, I'm off the fucking subject anyway. Here's the thing. Real life is kind of hitting me a little bit right now. My best friend has, has uh, she had like a little, little UTI thing, you know, I don't really get too involved in women's shit, and then, uh, that was on a Wednesday, and the following Thursday, like eight days later, they take out her fucking kidney, and then, now, her doctor's been on vacation, or whatever the fuck, and, um, can't get to figure out the diagnosis, is she cancer-free? Is she at stage two, stage four? We don't know. I tend to think. You know, here's the other thing. Uh, I vibrate pretty high. Um, just, dude, you do. Because you're, you're just more in tune with your higher power, with your God, whatever. When you're really sober, man. You know, and you work on your sobriety. But, you know, I kind of feel like since there's no real sense of urgency from this doctor that she is fine. And I really thought that even when they were taking her in to take her fucking um, kidney out. But you just never know. You know what I mean? But she's got to sit here with no information. And the last information she had was, hey, you got cancer. You're kind of probably pretty fucked right now, you know? That's like 10 days ago. It's kind of cruel and unusual punishment, right? And then now my sponsor... You can't imagine. This is if I'm going to get emotional. It's right here. My, your sponsor, when you are really sober, dude. Uh, especially long time. You have you have several sponsors, but you know when you always remember your first sponsor, right? And then uh, now. And this guy, my sponsor, is every I call him. He's in the hospital for. He's going blind. He's in the hospital for this or that. And you know he's like, he's in real trouble, dude. And I'm, and I'm a little selfish about it. I I really worry about him and his wife and all that stuff. And you know, um, he's. He's older. He's not that old. But, you know, I want him to... I'm I'm selfish, man. I want him to get better. And I'm helpless. I can't help him. can't do anything for him that the doctors aren't doing. So I have this whole powerless thing. And then I have this self-centered guilt. And um, the weird thing is that of all the people in the whole world I should be talking to about this is him and I don't because you know I got this whole justification that he has his own fucking issues and I can be as compassionate as I want or hey can I help you however you know but it's we still gotta go through this hang on just a minute I'll be back in a second
All right, I'm back. So, you know, we're talking about being powerless, and that never goes away, man. You know, always, this is why, this is the exact reason it's one day at a time. Because, you know, you still have this lack of power. And early on in your sobriety, if you have anybody who's worth their salt, you're going to figure out lack of power is our dilemma. And because we're alcoholics and we just can't help but work against ourselves, this is why we're one day at a time and not, I'm 34 years sober. I'm sober today, dude. You know, I had, I told you about that lady who went out after 22 fucking years. It's just because somebody at a party handed her a drink and she just took it. She just took it. Lack of power was her dilemma. She didn't have a good enough program behind her. After 22 years, I mean, a lot of people do slack off. Especially, sort of, uh, seven years to nine, ten years. You will fuck some shit up. I'm telling you, I don't give a fuck. If you can recite the big book word for word. Somewhere between seven and nine years, you will fuck some shit up, personally. And then you'll be in that is that all there is kind of mode I gotta you know you kind of begin to hear the um, the droning of all these people 15 17 years and it's what we call out in the desert you know you kind of get wow is this all there is my whole life and these fucking people and their stories and all that guess what get a new group get a new sponsor, get into the solution, always, always, always stay in the solution, don't get comfortable, I go to all different meetings, I told you that, right, so I got a home group, yeah, and I got guys in my home group that, you know, we all hang out together, we know each other's stories, stuff like that, but I go to all these other different groups, and I have since I was about three years sober, just, uh because I saw that lady get bored with it all. It scared the shit out of me, man. Um, dude, when somebody is... <laughs> fucking... 13, 15 years sober and they go back out, like my one of my old friends who's since passed, 15 years, went out. Got another 15 years. And died. Right? Fuck. So... Here's the thing. It's I'm shouldn't be laughing about it, but we just lose track of what's important, man. You gotta do this shit every day. And I go to all these different meetings so that um I don't hear the exact same stories. But guess what? I hear the exact same stories. I'm in the restaurant business. And that these fucking bus boys and other servers that you work with, they're just regular people, man. And so are recovering alcoholics, man. And, they have these same tendencies and they work just enough to get by or they're on their phone or they got some piece of ass they're worried about or some shit like that and they're more worried about her and where she is than they are about their job and you know I just always encourage those little pussies to just quit I said just quit and go follow your fucking girlfriend around 
you smell that thing all fucking day because that's all you give a shit about, right? And then eventually your priorities will change, but you know what I'm saying. But, you know, you will run into these points in your sobriety and you can avoid them by doing what I did. I didn't really have much trouble after nine years. I told you I fucked some shit up in nine years, didn't I? I lost a family. And it's because I wasn't thorough on my ninth step when I was one year sober. Always something. It's always something. It's like a balancing rock. You know those balancing rocks in the desert and how awesome they are? You just see little pictures of them. Sometimes those are there for 200 years and sometimes they're there for fucking 10 years. You never see them all toppled over. You just see them, these miraculous pictures. Oh my God, look at how amazing nature is. You know how you find out how amazing nature is? You start to admire God's work everywhere. In a baby's cry, in the diversity of the trees that you see every day. And, uh, you know, different people's personalities. But guess what you all, guess what I always notice too? People, men, okay, so, you know, just me and people, people. They like things to be in order, don't they? So if you go into a forest or a jungle or some fucking shit like that or out in the middle of a swamp, goddamn trees aren't manicured and the rivers aren't straight and the, there's no seawalls out there to keep everything straight and lined up and all that shit, but go into a neighborhood and everybody's fucking, you know, lawns are mowed exactly the same height and the trim is edged around the sidewalk and the bushes are all fucking rounded off and all that kind of crap. You see what we do? We are always counter acting against nature. And guess what? It's better because we're organized. You know, we're kind of organized people. We want to be in a community. We don't want to be like the weirdo, right? Because, you know, some guy lets his grass grow. I got some guy here that I live near, and this motherfucker's got some big victory garden, and he's always bitching with the city or some fucking thing about he's growing vegetables in his whole front yard, and he has to park his car in a goddamn street. <laughs> and these people are, like, trying to change city ordinances just because it's one fucking guy, right? Because he's a weirdo, whatever. Because he doesn't want to cut grass. He doesn't want to... He wants everything to be organic and natural. And he complains about his neighbors who have these perfectly manicured lawns. They live on a lake. I mean, Jesus Christ, this neighborhood is ridiculous. It's like all these expensive houses and shit. The thing is... We try to control things because we have a lack of power. You understand? This is some fucked up shit, dude. But this is the way people are. People are controlling their brother addicts. Are, we're the worst. We're the worst ones. The, and you know, the tighter you squeeze, <laughs> you squeeze the life out of whatever you're trying to fucking keep because you're holding it too tight. You understand? Jesus. But this is why you go in and out. Because you don't, you got no, I know I very rarely preach, but I see 
with these two people that are very close to me how short life is. And you get kind of a... I mean, it comes to you here and there, man. You know, when my fiancé died in 2007 at 46 years old. And holy shit, beautiful. Patriots cheerleaders. Fucking gorgeous. And... Like, if you're from New England, what's the most absolute famous family in New England? Yeah, she was one of them. Whatever, dude. You know, I didn't really care about that. But when people would ask her, she'd be like, why does everybody with my last name think I have to be associated with those people? And then they would go, well, are you? And then she would go, yes, but why? Why does everybody ask me that? So she was, like, trying to play all exasperated. But she, dude, she was fucking being coy. But anyway, I got very aware of how how short life is when she died. And then I lost her and my boss within a year. And now I got my best friend and my sponsor that are both sick. And I don't know how sick, you know, here's the thing. I don't know how sick they are. They're probably both fine. I think my best friend is fine. But until you get that word from the doctor and say, hey, you know what? We got everything. Then then you, you just don't know. And then you get a little selfish. But I got to stay in the solution all the time. I got to understand I'm powerless over what happens in God's world. And I have to be able to be in a constant, constant state of gratitude and acceptance. These are the two biggest things in my sobriety. Gratitude and acceptance. Every second. So I'm telling you, some days, second by second, I'm incredibly grateful for what I have and who I know and how I've grown in my recovery and all this kind of stuff. And it is pretty amazing I don't really know where I'm going with this. I don't want to bore you guys to death, but you know, this is just what's on my mind. I'll probably come back on tomorrow and let you know what's happening because both of them have doctor's appointments tomorrow, right? Not like you're trying to fucking, you know, I'm some influencer or some shit, but just, you know, we're on a journey together, boys. (laughs) I say boys because I tell you. Emily, get the fuck off my podcast. All right, listen, let's just call it a night.